Well, good morning, fellowship. It is good to welcome you here on this Labor Day weekend. Hey, if you had a little trouble getting in, uh, the good news is we're told that at 945, all the barriers will be removed and we'll be back to bad traffic as normal. <laughs> so anyway, welcome. If this is your very first time, you are a brave soul and we are so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming and, and being with us. Uh, if you want to know more about us, we have a newcomers gathering that Mark's going to tell you a little bit more about later. Uh, but we just want to say welcome. This is a place where we want you just to sit into the, in the presence of the Lord and worship and participate to whatever degree that you are comfortable. And so we just, we're so glad that you're here. Fellowship family, we're glad you're here. And uh, we always enjoy gathering. I have a particularly large biological family, so whenever we gather, it feels kind of like this, you know. And, uh, and so this is like a family gathering for me. And I want to just say, uh, welcome. We're glad to get together. Hey, real quickly, we're starting our Ephesians series, and we had the books out, out in the uh, foyer. If you've already bought a book, uh, we found out this past week that we actually have bookmarks to go with those. So if you want to run by uh, the booth after service and grab a bookmark, if you already have a book, uh, that goes with you, okay? But uh, we're starting our Ephesians series, and um, so I wanted to let you know about that. We have a, a ministry that has just been a huge blessing to so many people, um, and I want to just remind you that we have that, that starting. It's our divorce care ministry. And uh, we just had so many folks who have talked about, uh, you know, there's just all kinds of stories behind whatever leads up to the breaking up of a marriage. But the one thing I know is consistently true, it leaves wounds. And so the divorce care is a place where you can go and, and find help and healing for the wounds that have come through that. So we want to encourage you uh, if, that if that's your place in life, uh, come find that place to find healing and, and, and help, okay? Also, we've got a group of, uh, of, of our students that are out in fall retreat. About 100 of those that you see up there um, came from Bentonville, okay? And, but, uh, so again, they're, they're out there doing fall retreat and, and they're, they're studying, um, I believe, developing some spiritual disciplines and, and uh, rhythms of, of spiritual growth. And so I want to pray for them and we'll be doing that in just a minute. But also want to acknowledge that this is our first Sunday of the month and we always have the rest of our student ministry with us. So right over here, everybody look at these people <laughs> because it makes them feel so comfortable when you stare at them. Hey, we are just blessed to have our, our kids in here with us, okay? Our students are amazing. So they are here. They're going to they're gonna add stuff to our worship that, that is just a huge blessing to have. So I just want to take a minute to acknowledge them and, uh, and say, say thanks for being here, okay? All right. Um, as we get ready to move into our time just to, to spend focusing on the Lord and his word, uh, would you stand with me, please? And I want us to pray for these students, pray for this time of worship. Lord Jesus, as we see that picture of um, all those students out there just trying to focus on you, your word, listen to what your spirit has to say to them. Lord, we lift them up to you and pray, would you move in a mighty way? Lord, the, the things that they need to hear I pray that you make their hearts ready to receive 
make their minds willing to accept. Lord, I pray for the leaders. I pray for all the students that, that, uh, that they'll just know how much you love them and how good your grace is and how big your forgiveness is. So Lord, we lift them up to you and ask you to bless them right now as they're spending that time out there this weekend. And then, Lord, as we move into our time of focusing on you in this service, Lord, would you lift our eyes to heavenly places? Lord, would you remind us of who we are because of you and in you? The Word of God says, Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of the God to God's holy people, the faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ.
we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, Ephesians 1, 7. John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And for those of us who believe and trust in Jesus, that is a promise and a declaration that is grounded in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And we can celebrate that. But if you notice the first word, if, we confess. So it's an invitation. Even though the Lord knows all of our sins and our shortcomings, he invites us to confess those to him, to him so we can experience his forgiveness and his cleansing from all unrighteousness. So during this time, we're going to read the Lord's Prayer. 
the words will be on the screen. We'll read it out loud together. And on the part where it says, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, we're gonna take a Selah, and I invite you to reflect during that time what sins, what unforgiveness, what bitterness might be coming up in your heart or in your life or that you recall, and you can lay it down, confess it to him. I encourage you, maybe even whisper it, confess it to him so that we can be cleansed. We can experience the fullness of life in Christ together. So will you pray with me? Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Amen. Amen. We sing this with me. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to Stay. 
And King Jesus, we only stand in your honor because you have paid it all. Your life, your death, your resurrection, your ascension, your coming again, all of that in your work. Lord Jesus, that makes you the hero of our story. Thank you. Forgive us for making ourselves the hero of our story. You've raised us up for something so much bigger, something like you. So we're drawing our attention to you right now and asking that you would lock that truth into our hearts and minds as we open up a piece of your word that is rich and deep and wide and broad. We are asking that you would let us swim in the truth and that the truth would change our hearts. So Lord, right now, your people stand in your honor and we say, speak now, I'm listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Happy Labor Day weekend to you all. As Doug said in the beginning when he greeted you, I also will tell you, I so look forward to these family gatherings each and every Sunday morning and grateful that you're here and joining in with us. Hey, it's also community group or in our student ministry language, cell group launch, right? Most of us have already met in our small groups. Some of us are getting to know each other for the first time. Uh, if you need an icebreaker, something that would start a spirited small group discussion, could even lead to a lively debate, I throw out one idea for you. Just make your opening question a debate about what is the best Disney movie. <laughs> My family had one of those conversations at kind of a Sunday night dinner, and it was like passionate, pleading their case. My grandkids even weighed in on the discussion, and I even know they're wrong, because it is not in Kanto, no, 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 no. It dates back, we know the answer to that, it dates back to a Disney movie that was really when my kids were my grandkids' age. This one. Yeah, you know it. The Lion King. Actually, this movie's far more profound than a kid's movie should be allowed to be, especially the scene where father says to wayward son, you've forgotten me. He says, no, how could I? No, you have forgotten me. You forgot who you are and so therefore forgot me. Remember who you are. And that's where we go this morning. Because knowing who you are is the key to being who you were meant to be, to living as you were meant to live and that is not a Disney idea, men and women. That is God's idea, and that's the main thrust of the beginning of the book of Ephesians that we opened this morning. We're going to start by looking at just one sentence of the book of Ephesians this morning. Just one sentence. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it begins. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he, blessed, he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, 
which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. In him we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That is one sentence. And the English teachers in you or in here are already pulling out red pens and saying, oh my, this student does not know what a run-on sentence is. But this is actually one Sentence in the original language, verse 3 through 14 is 202, rapid fire, one sentence, a string of words that tumble out of the Apostle Paul's mouth, all because he wants us to remember who we are. See, a typical ancient letter would always start with who it's to, who it's from, and then a greeting. And verse 1 and 2 that we read at the beginning of the service, you saw that. Paul, an apostle to faithful saints in Ephesus. But then next in an ancient letter, it would be customary to bless the recipient of the letter. Notice who Paul blesses in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Blessed. Blessing. You cannot live more than a month in the South without knowing that that word gets thrown around a lot. You know that a third of us who live in Bentonville are not born in the state of Arkansas. And so if you're a newcomer here, can I give you a word of warning? Bless your heart is not a compliment. <laughs> if someone says that, that means they are patronizing you. You poor thing is what they just said. But even when the word blessing is used in a positive sense, it's usually meant to, to mean good wishes. So you'll see some people close out their emails with blessing, meaning wishing good things for you. That's not what Paul is saying. For Paul, blessing is far more than a wish. Paul is actually saying, I praise God because every good thing that the Father has in God he has given to us already. See, ours is a self-giving God. And his blessings, if you notice in this verse, are all past tense. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, which means this is who we are, no matter how you feel about yourself this morning, no matter your experiences, or even this morning, if you feel like your faith is feeble and hanging on by a thread, this is who you are because the Father, he said so. I want you to look at that whole sentence on one slide, and obviously, unless you're in junior high and up front, you cannot read that. But you can read some highlighted phrases, can't you? Thirteen times the phrase, in Christ, 
or in him or through him are used in this one sentence. And what does that tell us? It tells us that if you wanna answer the question who you are, well, its answer will be found in Christ Jesus and what he has done. This is who you are because of who the Father is and what he's done for us already in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Listen, when we travel abroad, we fully understand that uh, we have all the privileges of being a, a citizen of the United States, even though we're not fully experiencing those privileges at that very moment abroad. And so it is with us while we're on assignment here. We talked last week about the fact that we belong to God together, but we're not home yet. And yet this identity is still true of us no matter what. In Christ, used 13 times in this sentence, each time it's linked to 13 benefits that we experience because of being in Christ. And so for those of you who who can get lost in a run-on sentence like that, or for those of you who love to see a map before you take the trip, this is the roadmap to that opening sentence. That the first third of this sentence talks about the blessings from the Father because of a past adoption. The next sections talk about the blessings in the Son because of a present redemption. And then the last section talks about the blessings that come through the Holy Spirit because of a future glory that's coming for us. You know what I see quickly? The whole person of the Trinity is at work in our salvation. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bringing us every blessing of his salvation. So let's look at those in thirds. Looking first at the blessings that come from the Father that we picked up in verse four through six. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So obviously, what did the Father do for us? Well, he says he chose us to be blameless and holy, meaning God's vision for our lives, who we are in Christ, is to be, to be spotless and, and whole at the same time. But it also says that in love, he adopted us as sons. Sons. You know, when the text says sons rather than sons and daughters, women don't read that as sexist. Paul is taking a custom of his day and choosing to bestow honor to men and women who are in Christ. See, in Paul's day, writing to the ancient Ephesians, well, they lived in a Roman culture, and in a Roman culture, uh, culture the law said that only a son could have the highest privileges in a household. Now, that's not right. It's not fair, but it was the way it was. And so when Paul says, We've been adopted as sons. Both men and women read that and hear that in their ears and let their heart be inspired by the fact that that means the highest privilege in God's household is yours through adoption. In Christ, Paul says, you are not just living in God's household. You 
are the most privileged member of God's household because you are in Christ, the apple of the Father's eye. You know, in our culture, living in God's household might be like fostering a child. And for our foster families in the room, you understand the goodness and the kindness of that. But at the same time, you know that that a kindness that even goes one step further would be making that foster child your adopted child. And we have many in our church that have lived out both of those experiences. You know the difference. That child knows the difference. And God the Father wants us to know the difference as well, that we have been adopted. Notice when the Father adopted us. Before the foundation of the world. Long before you were here, which means God chose you for adoption before you could do anything good or bad, which means you did not have to perform or candidate or apply for status in his household. It's as secure as he is secure. Why did God do this for us? The text tells us, in Love. The Father, according to his purpose, because of his glorious grace. Don't you see the motive? The motive is the largeness, the the height of God's grace on our behalf. He says in verse 6 there that this grace blessed us in the beloved. Uh, The English translation of the Bible that I use to have my morning readings, it actually uh, phrases it this way. It says this grace was freely bestowed on us in the beloved, meaning that the grace of God is freely poured out the next time you take a shower. Envision the grace of God being poured out freely and abundantly upon your life, all because of Jesus. Roy Miller uh, was an older man in the body here at Fellowship who was special to me. Uh, Many of us knew and loved him, and even a couple of the guys right up front are already grinning a little bit as I use his name. Roy went home to be with the Lord several years ago. The only thing larger than Roy's six-foot-eight frame was his smile. You could see him in any worship center or service because that white head of hair of his would tower over everybody else. And as soon as I would walk back to greet him, you'd get within three or four rows And even when he was in his wheelchair in the last days, he would hold those enormous hands up and he would shout out, hello, blessed of the Lord. And then he would hug me and make me feel like I was a toddler again in a grandfather's arms. I miss him. Hey, when Roy said that, was that just a religious version of being, of saying hi? Kind of his South Texas way of saying hi? No. No. He was calling out who I was in Christ. By the way, you notice he didn't ask how I felt about myself before he said that. Feeling good? Okay, you're blessed of the Lord. Feeling strong in your faith? You're blessed of the Lord. It's just who I am. And Roy was calling that out. How did the Father adopt us? The text says two words, chose and predestined. This, by the way, is the doctrine of election. Ironically, when you bring up election, often in a church, you hear an uncomfortable silence 
move through the room. Oh, my. Who's going to talk about that? Which is so odd because every time Paul or even Peter talk about election in the New Testament, he talks to weary, beaten down, persecuted believers, and it's always there to encourage, build them up, and make them more secure in Christ. See, the New Testament teaches that God in his sovereignty chooses a believer in salvation. And at the same time, the New Testament teaches that the believer in faith chooses Christ. And we saw that even in the sentence we read. We saw that in verse 5, it tells us that God predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. But then in verse 13, it says, You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So I ask you, which one is it? Are we in Christ because God predestined us, or are we in Christ because we believed in him? For people who believe the Bible like we do, we answer, yes, yes. It's almost like two sides of the same coin. The ironic thing about having two sides of the same coin is that I can't see both sides at the same time. I can look at heads, I can look at tails, I just can't quite see them both at the same time. But they're both there, they're both true, they're both present. We tend to try to reconcile these two twin truths of the Bible. Truth number one, that God chose us for salvation. Truth number two, that we believe in Christ and that's how we're saved. We tend to reconcile those two together by trying to put a word in between, a word of timing in between. And so we say things like this. Well, God chose us for salvation, therefore or then we believed in him. And that frames a system of thought, theological thought called Calvinism. Or we turn around and flip that over and say, no, no, we chose Christ for salvation, and then or therefore he chose us. And that frames a system of theological thought called Arminianism. But the Bible doesn't include a sequence word like then or therefore or thus. It includes a simultaneous word. And God chose us, yes, sovereignly, independently of ourselves. And we believe in him. You see that sometimes come up in the New Testament and in verses that like 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where both sides of the coin are side by side. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved of the Lord, because God chose you to be saved. How? Well, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. You see it in Jesus in the Gospels. We walk through the Gospel of John together, and when he was talking about being the bread of life, Believing in him means we'll never thirst, we'll never hunger. And you notice in verse 39, he says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, God's choice, but raise it up on the last day. And then the very next verse, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day. Both sides of the same coin. See, I think uh, theologian Norm Geisler said it best. In his book, Chosen But Free, 
He said, God's predestination and human free choice are a mystery, but not a contradiction. We apprehend each is true, but we do not comprehend how both are true. In brief, we are chosen, but free. So in faith, we reach up our hand and believe and hold on to God for salvation. And in election, God reaches down and holds our hand and we are saved. Hey, trick question, which is stronger, yours or God's? Right. You know, when I play in the front yard with grandkids, sometimes particularly the littles, littles because it's all I can bear to pick up and swing, they'll say, Pop, swing me. And I'll grab that little one by the hands, and I always say, okay, grab, hold on, and I start twirling. Now, what if I allowed the strength of her hand to be the only thing that made her secure in the flight? Yeah, she would, well, she would land in the neighbor's yard, and that would be grandfather malpractice, right? I would hope my daughter would sue me. No, she's secure because she has been secured. Our salvation is secured because it has been secured by the sovereign God whose hand is all powerful. And these salvation blessings are past tense, which means it has been done, therefore it is undoable. This past tense reality, though, has present tense changes in our life. We move from the blessings from the Father to the blessings that are in the Son. And you see verse 7 and 8. In him, we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. You see the present tense reality we have. He moves from we had the Father's choice, therefore we have been blessed. Now he's talking about what we have, present tense. And he says we have two things, redemption and forgiveness. Redemption is a term that they would have known very well in the ancient Roman culture because it's a term that means to be bought back from the slave market of sin. In other words, when you're redeemed, you are free. Forgiveness is a word that means Forgiveness. I know, that's pretty not complicated, and yet we make that very much a stumbling block. Well, I don't feel forgiven. Again, I ask you, whose grip is stronger, yours or his? You rest in his forgiving hand. Free through redemption, forgiven through forgiveness, all of that, he says, flowing from the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. I found this interesting this week. The word lavished. You know where else you see it in the New Testament? Same Greek word for leftovers in Jesus' feeding of the 5,000. You know what Paul is telling us? Eat all the grace you can. You can't use it up. It's super abundant grace, lavished, poured out upon us. You are swimming in an ocean of God's grace. Let it cleanse you. You are living in an oxygen tent of God's grace. Let it nourish you. God's dream is to 
immerse you in the rich red dye of his blood. He wants to color every fiber of you. He does not want to whitewash you and make you look respectable. He wants you to grow up into who he is and change every fiber of your being. This is the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. And folks, your experience of the Christian life will only be as big as your view of God's grace. Can I back that up and say it again in case the holiday stupor is there? Your experience of the Christian life will only be as large as your view of God's grace. Go bigger as you see him because he is bigger. This diagram comes from a book called The Gospel-Centered Life, telling us that we first came to Christ because we saw a gap between the holiness of God and our awareness of our sin. And we knew that we could not bridge that gap between our sin and, and God's holiness. And we saw how Jesus' cross filled that gap. But if we don't see how lavish or how superabundant or how much there's leftovers in God's grace, if we don't see how big it is, our growth will stagnate. Why is that? Because as you grow in Christ, the truth is you will see God is more holy than you thought. And your sin is bigger than you thought. And maturity in Christ shows you that the gap is larger. And if you leave God's grace at that same small view that you saw when you first came to him, well, you will experience the gap again. And you will try to fill the gap with something of your own effort. So in your relationship with God, you'll start trying to perform for him. If I do enough, he'll accept me more. And in your relationship with other people, you'll start pretending more. Don't let them see. Don't let the people in my cell group see that I'm really struggling with sin. Don't let these folks in community group know that I've got some places that need healing and wholeness and holiness of God. And we pretend that's the picture of someone who has forgotten who they are in Christ. But that's the picture that God gives us. See, the other diagram in that book tells us that grace is so much larger than we can think or imagine, that grace is God's superabundant goodness and mercy that constantly fills the gap for eternity. The reason it will take us all of eternity to see more of who God is is we need an unending amount of time to see an infinite amount of God's grace. It keeps washing over us. And we'll just say, ah, after our first billion years. But on our 10th billion year, we'll say, wow. And it'll keep growing. I tried to think of a, an illustration that could talk about God's grace and our adoption like this. And I struggled. And I, the only one that's the most graphic I could come up with is this. And I shudder even to say it. If someone broke into my home and murdered my son, my boy whom I love, vengeance would be if I responded by hunting that man down and killing him. Justice would be if I let the law punish him to the fullest extent, including maybe even capital punishment. Mercy would be at the trial if I, if I pled for that man's parole. 
go bigger when you think of God. Because grace, grace would mean that I would plead for that man's parole. And that on the day he was released from prison, I would drive to get him. And I would bring him home. And I would put him in my boy's room and adopt him and give him all the privileges of my son. Do you feel the fear of the Lord in all of its goodness saying that's what I've done for you? You take on the privileges of my murdered son. You are his and you are mine. And if that doesn't overwhelm you enough, Paul goes further. In verse 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In other words, good news gets better. Grace doesn't just subtract something from our life, grace adds something to our life. Yes, grace subtracts our sin and shame. But notice here, grace also adds an inheritance. We take on the inheritance of the Son. It's given to us. You know why salvation is a gift? Because it's an inheritance. You don't earn an inheritance. And do you know why salvation is something you cannot lose? Because it's been predestined. It was done before we even did our first deed. It's now and forever. And then Paul continues in verse 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Hey, we're going to pick up the thought in this verse next week. Next week's message is really part two of who we are in Christ. But we do have to see the power of God's blessing that comes to us through the Holy Spirit. It says that we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So in ancient times, a king would stamp his identity on a document through his signet ring, his unique mark, his brand, pressed in a wax seal. That's, by the way, why you have the graphics that you do in this book on Ephesians and on the screen right now. Justin and Max put together a beautiful representation of that heart-shaped red wax seal that marks our life. And what the king was basically doing when he sealed something is he was saying, this is mine. And when God put the Holy Spirit into our life, once we believe in Jesus Christ and trust him, he is marking us and saying, you are mine. The Holy Spirit, he says, is also a guarantee of that inheritance, a guarantee. We have this same word in our language all the time. It's the word deposit or down payment or earnest money if you have purchased a house recently. By the way, that's the ancient Greek words meaning. You know that modern Greek uses the same word for engagement ring. How cool is that? A promised forever relationship. 
And don't you see what being sealed and guaranteed means? It means that what God started, he will finish, that salvation is a promise that's to us that is secure because, again, to say it again, it has been secured and promised through the Holy Spirit. All of this one sentence about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and the blessings we have through him, they are ours and they make a difference in how we live. See, because of the past choice of the Father, tomorrow morning I will wake up knowing I am his in Christ. Junior high students, uh, don't ever let any of us tell you that we outgrow the same insecurities you have. We all wonder if we belong in the junior high lunchroom. Everybody heading to their new community group feels the same way. Everybody jumping into a new church or joining a new friend group, we wonder, do I fit? Because we are his in Christ, the answer is yes. And also, because of the present riches of the Son, I have all I need in Christ. His grace is superabundant. Because of the future work of the Spirit, I will be like Christ fully. This is who we are. How do we respond? Do you know one thing that was lacking in this long 11 verse, 202, one sentence? Commands. No commands. No to-do list is given to you. It's a to-be list. And the only thing that is ours out of response to this is a phrase that comes up after each of these one-third sections. In verse 6, he said, to the praise of the Father's glorious grace. In verse 12, he said, to the praise of the Son's glory. In verse 14, he said, to the praise of the Holy Spirit's glory. In other words, we respond in worship, thanking and adoring God for being this good and this great and this gracious. And so this morning, our worship and song will declare our story in Christ, but we will do so through communion. And if you were picked up the prepackaged communion on your way in this morning, now's the time to get that out and begin to open it up. And as you do, would you stand? And we will declare our story in song. And then after we sing, we will eat and we will drink together. Oh God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for a grace that is greater than we know. Help us become this story. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of
watching and waiting the king above filled with his goodness lost in his Right before he was arrested, Jesus told us to tell that story often when we gather, because he knew that that story will shape our story, and he knew that we're often prone to forget. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight eat and we drink in his name. God's people say, amen. Hey, if you are joining us for the first time, and maybe this season, this month has been your first time coming to Fellowship Bible Church, we would love to meet you in person. We have a newcomer's gathering that only takes a few minutes, and our community team will be over in the student ministry room, which is right across the courtyard. The truth is, once you go to the courtyard, you can't miss it, because our team will greet you outside. But take a few minutes to give you a little orientation to fellowship and answer any questions that you might have. If you're picking up kids right now, your kids are welcome uh, to come because it really is a short gathering. But for those who know, this is their next step into membership here. And this once this is the place they want to be their home church. Welcome to you. And our best welcome in person we can give is our Discover Fellowship. 
and it starts on September the 11th, next Sunday. And so if you haven't jumped into Discover yet, Abel, Kelly, still room? Okay, we still have room for you. Uh, jump in and, just, and sign up. You can do so online, and uh, that should go ahead and, and, uh, and get you going. And we'll meet twice together as a big group and then break into small groups as an experience from there. Likewise, we have our study of Ephesians launching this morning. The books are out there for sale. If you're an iPad user and would rather use it digitally, it's there free online for you to download at our website. Just jump into the journey. You're going to find there to be some sermon note spots. You'll sign quiet time guides. But most of us, our community group included, is going to be walking through this as a community group. And the questions for group are in there as well. And we love you, and if there's a way we can pray for you and with you, that's why Phil and Judy are right here up front in front of the baptistry. Uh, our prayer team would love to pray with you. And if we can say hi and connect with you, we'll be at the community booth right across the foyer. God bless you. Have a good day off tomorrow, and we'll see you next Sunday.